Hey, this is Tim Travis of Swan Energy, the Vice President of Operations. Imran Khan, Swan Energy. Brandon Davis, Swan Energy. Thank you, gentlemen, for joining us today. We're going to go right to the mailbag today in our mining money segment here, and we want to find out what's going on. You know, this I get this probably emailed more than anything, uh, is this ESG movement. I've talked to some operators. Uh, one of them mentioned they were switching their ESG report, part of their annual shareholder deal from 45 pages to 90 pages. I've talked to bankers that say that, oh, yeah, you need it, but they don't know how to implement it. I, I just got an uh, email this morning from a professor down at Texas A&M that was debunking this whole ESG movement. So you got you know BP and Exxon and the big guys trying to talk about the ESG movement, but on the other side, deals are still needing to be done and financing still needs to be, be had. I got kind of intrigued last week when you brought up this great bank loan you got from, uh, or this, this rate that you got to do some financing. That's been a big problem for people. So I thought we'd kind of mesh the two together See what your guys' thought is about this ESG movement, because you guys are out there getting deals done when a lot of people can't. And that's really important right now. So I don't know uh, which one of you wants to take the ESG baton first, but ESG stands for Environmental uh, Social Governance, and it is a very new sort of a movement that's kind of, in my opinion, being led by a 16-year-old girl. So uh, you guys can handle uh, I, 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 I'll take I'll take it first, and thank you for telling me what it means, because I'd never really heard of it before um, this conversation. I guess I have heard of it um, from people asking, but I had no idea what they were asking about. And uh, the last part of that, we, we say what the S means again? Uh, environmental social governance, so like a social cause. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, we, I, I own my company, um, and... There's no social governance happening here, nor will it ever. So I don't care. And if people don't like me and they don't like what we do, they don't have to do business with us. It's that simple. Um, companies that are corporate and changing, you know, doubling the size of their annual report based on what you're saying to accommodate this, that's insane. And I don't know. I, I, I The oil and gas industry has become very environmentally friendly over the years um, and, and more so than most industry um, and for additional pressure to be put on for more environmentally, um, and socially acceptable things. I just, I, I'm not, I'm not into it. I don't get it. I don't understand it. And I honestly don't give a shit. What do you think, Imran? You know, it's, it's all about the, uh, environmentally challenged <laughs> is, is what I, you know, it's, it's good to see these different companies doing what they, they feel their, their, their shareholders um, want them to say and do. And, you know, as Brandon just pointed out, he owns his company completely all 100%. So there's no shareholders per se that he needs to make happy around it, right? Um, yeah, just one of those things you, you, you hear about uh, BP and how they're totally uh, reinventing themselves Um you know, it's 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 great for them. You know, whatever whatever floats their boat. And you know, when you announce that the day of, uh, you know, when when your um, what what is that? The profit statement is coming out, and you're losing seventy billion dollars. Um, yeah, you you talk about ESG. 
right? I think that, yeah. that's that's kind of, you know, that, yeah. that, that says it all right there, right? Yeah, and go waste more money on that. Yeah, yeah it's, it's one of those things that it seems like it's, you know, primary purpose is to make everybody get little butterflies in their stomach. Um, and in some cases there are, I, you know, I, I can make an argument that there are instances where focusing a little bit on some ESG, um, you know, public-facing ESG at least, whether or not your internal policy is different, um, regardless. Uh, I mean, you, you get, like, BP's still trying to make up ground with the regulators since the Macondo, right? I mean, they, they went on an all out ESG campaign after that just to get some credibility back. Oil and gas in general is just seen as sort of a dirty industry, and it's, it seems like there's been operators that have bought in and have been very overzealous about trying to rebrand themselves. We, you know, we... We've got an oil field services company in Oklahoma, and we did a lot of work for Newfield, then in Canada, now Aventive. Um, and they spent $10, $15 million building a, a recycling facility for, for flowback water, produced water, um, basically just to put a, a flyer just in to it. to say they had it. Basically just to put a flyer in an investor presentation, and the thing processed a third of the capacity it was supposed to. It was constantly down. Uh, but guess what? They got to put it in a in a brochure and pat themselves on the back for it. And all their you know all the hedge funds and investment banks that backed them all got to feel better about you know them investing in. You know when I get butterflies about about the oil business or our business when I see airplanes flying and lights turning on and bottles that hold water and other things, um, computers, computer chips, you know everything that everyone uses every day uh, that comes from a byproduct of our business that that's what gives me butterflies so without the oil and gas business there is no socialization there's no travel there's nothing we can use a horse and carriage it, it just kind of tells you right there that you know people take all that stuff for granted yep right it's just it's very you know it's like well yeah we did that yesterday well what, what are we doing today type of thing and it's like you know let's actually uh take a moment and appreciate the fact that that's not an easy thing to be able to produce to begin with and well, to be able to have it. Yeah, and I, I think to kind of piggyback on some of the things we've talked about over the last few weeks, too, that, you know, it's a good time to buy right now and with a lot of the distractions that are going on with this ESG stuff, because that's how I really look at it, is it's really kind of a distraction away from the, the, the petroleum industry's future. Because when we look at... 93 to 96% of our daily products and, and uses and lifestyle from our toothpaste to our toothbrush to the things that we you know, use to get the toothbrush and toothpaste to our house need fossil fuels in some capacity. I just, in my lifetime, if we went down to say 80%, that would be an incredible shift in my lifetime. And that's just what, 15% decrease of our fossil fuel usage. That's how much of our lifestyle is intertwined with this. And going back 150 years, you know, humans have been getting more green naturally. I mean, we used to burn hay and wood and whales. And when we, when we take a look at, and Imran, you might understand this with, with your background, but when we look at our deviation from carbon to hydrogen, which is cleaner, you know, going away from carbon to hydrogen in terms of a way to burn fuel, we're down to like four molecules with natural gas now. It's extremely clean, and humans have been evolving to become more clean without 
the use without the help of uh, Greta Thunberg or the Sierra Club for the last 150 years. So I see this ESG thing almost as kind of like a distraction away from, from you know, <laughs> getting a good deal right now as actually kind of getting into it because I don't see oil and gas going anywhere but at least staying where it's at for the next you know, 5, 10, 15, 20 years. So very long question to ask. Uh, what's your guys' thoughts when it comes to you know, the ESG and just how much of our lifestyle is based on petroleum products? Brandon, you brought up that earlier, so elaborate on that a little bit more, if you wouldn't mind, from an investment standpoint. Well, I mean, it's, it's everywhere. It's in everything you touch. Um, and if it's not, it's one of the underlying reasons that it got there right this, and that, that's the reality we live in and and for some for people to think that we can change that without um massive uh changes in and and the way people live is just insane to me uh i don't know i i don't understand it i i don't i don't understand it i'll just say that like the whole mindset of uh well and and, and and I don't get it. We're, you know, working in the energy industry, and you know, I got a degree of petroleum engineering from the University of Texas at Austin. And uh, I can tell you that, look, we have we have a free market economy, and the reason that we're not all running on solar and wind power and geothermal power is because it's just not a viable alternative for hydrocarbons. It's not. The con nobody thinks about the convenience of being able to pick up a gallon of a liquid gasoline and being able to drive your car thirty miles down the road. It's, so there's so no Jason, for that. so Jason, you have a petroleum engineer, a chemical engineer, and a high school graduate sitting here having a conversation about this, <laughs> and we're all saying the same thing. Just some some of us are more technical than others. Wait, uh, wait, which one's a high school graduate? Because I'm not. No, I'm just. Kidding. That's me. <laughs> I'm just he, he's got as much. He's got enough hours to have gone and finished college. By the way, he just likes to say that. Just FYI. <laughs> I have no degree. I'm degreeless. It <laughs> won't take the last three-hour course he needs to get. Yeah, more or less. I wish they would take those hours away that I have, so I could get further into the. I'll make some phone calls. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what, though, honestly, you bring up a great, great point, which I, I, I'm going to fold into this, which is when you take a look at some of the most successful entrepreneurs in in America, whether it be Henry Ford to you know, Steve Jobs. Henry Ford, what an eighth grade education. Steve Jobs dropped out of uh, uh, Berkeley and, and Bill Gates dropped out of Harvard. So you don't need an education to, to get it. You know, yeah, you, yeah. I'm sorry, I always tell That's my son that, you know. How to make money. Yeah, when you go to school. I figured out how to make money, I quit going to school because I was having to spend money and it cost me money to be there because I wasn't able to work. That's right. Opportunity cost. Huh? The opportunity cost was way too high for me. Um, and I was literally in my last semester, literally. Um, anyway, whatever. The uh, uh, let's talk about voting. Have you voted? I have not yet. I have not voted yet. Uh, it's coming up in the next couple of weeks, but we can certainly talk about that because we've had well, a lot of people wonder. Room over here, have already voted. Oh yeah, we've got some. You guys you know, have early voting over there. Yeah, we've got early voting and and by the mail and things okay. like that. I just haven't gotten around to it. We're we're, we're doing some other things that um, have kind of taken my attention away, but there's a lot of people focused on the election right now and um, on how, you know, that's going to impact the market. And for me, I'd like to know your opinion on this because I think it's actually holding things up. And I, 
Personally, I think Trump's going to win. I don't think it matters who's going to win because um, the oil and gas industry ain't going anywhere no matter who wins. I mean, uh, Biden even, I think he flip-flopped on that a little bit. But uh, well, let's... The, the main thing I wanted to talk about was, you know, now that I've already voted, what do I do for the next two weeks? Because I can't turn on the television. I can't read the news because all it is is the social media and people trying to sway votes one way or the other. So... Uh, I'm kind of, I'm, it's kind of a interesting, uh, I've never been, I've never voted this early, so it's kind of a, uh, and I'm holding my breath just to see what happens. There's a lot of money on the sidelines too. It'd be nice if we get some ESG set up so that you could have a way to switch all that stuff off and turn the, the branding off once you've cast your ballot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we actually, we do some Facebook advertising um, and we paused it for the entire month of October because the political spending was so high that it was driving our rates up so high we couldn't we couldn't afford it like it was it blew us blew us out of the it basically killed it for us um, that's how much money they're spending it's it's like the eight figures per campaign per week it's it's remarkable <laughs> and in fact in the in a lot of radio stations you have to have uh, buys way in advance because they only got a certain amount of inventory and these political ads they pay top dollar and cash. So there's no collecting. I'm, I'm not going to tell you who I'm, I'm voting for either, Jason, but I'm voting for the only candidate that loves this country. That's what I'm doing. The, the, that's who I voted for. Have, um, you, have you found that people I, out there are, are impacted, either either waiting or they're investing or not? Have you found that? the Yes. Yeah. Go yes. Ahead. Lots of people are on. The, so lots of people are scared to death that Joe Biden's going to win and it's going to kill the economy. Lots of people are scared of that. Um and then all the haters just don't want Trump to win. So, I, I, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I, I, I haven't heard anyone tell me that they're voting for um, Donald Trump, but I, a, a lot of that's been implied. I, I know a lot of people who are. Um, but I, I've heard a lot of people tell me they're going to vote for Joe Biden, and I always ask What's them. What's the stigma there, by the way? I, it's one question I asked them. I was like, why are you voting for Joe Biden? And yeah. it's either because yeah. they hate Donald Trump um, or he didn't react the right way to COVID-19, but Joe Biden would have because he was telling people, you know, they can smarter, go back right? in time and um, replace him. That's, that's the only thing. That's Those are the only reasons people tell me that they're voting for Joe Biden. I don't understand how someone can vote for someone because they hate someone else. Like The guy can't even put together a damn sentence. It's not a, it's not a vote for Biden. It's a vote against Trump. Yeah. This seems like it's the, most of the ballots that are being cast for Biden. I just well, see that's, that's, that's very interesting to me because I, I got in a uh, debate last night uh, with some people about this, and you know, our program's non-political for the most part. We'll talk. We'll talk about policy and have policymakers on, but we don't. You know, we don't get into the big sensational part and in the gotcha questions and things like that. If we do talk politics, it's pretty civilized, like we're doing right now. And when last night, I ended up sticking up for Trump and explaining a few things, like they were just ragging on his COVID handling, and, and I looked at the people and I said. Actually, I disagree with you. I think he's the only one showing any leadership. And they were yep. appalled, and they looked at me, and I said, would you like to read the emails from my kid's superintendent and from the principals who are asking me how to lead the school when they're getting paid to lead the school? Would you like to see the written uh, uh, letters I got from public leaders asking me how I would do their job? I said, whether you like Trump or not, he's the only one making definitive decisions during a time when people need definitive decisions. Anybody can sit back and be a you know backseat driver, 
but it takes a real leader to actually make decisions right or wrong to move the country ahead. Well, that of course got some people's ires up and then they said, oh, you work in the oil and gas industry, so you just love Trump. I said, actually, that's not even close to the truth. I said, the reason that I stick up for Trump is because I'm not afraid of immigrants coming and stealing my job. I'm afraid of my health insurance premium going up. It's those types of things that I'm worried about. And that quieted the room really quick then because, you know, he is the only one showing leadership and he is tackling on some real problems that affect the average person like their, their pocketbook and their insurance premiums and those types of things. So I don't know if you guys want to do anything with that little tirade I just had, but I thought it was interesting because, man, you can't even go to a dinner party now without somebody getting down your throat, you know? Well, and it's, and it's visceral, too. It's not, it's not just a conversation. It's, it's aggressive, and, and I've experienced that, too. And I just laugh at people because it just, you know, it's a, you're going, you want to silence me is basically what their whole mission is. Well, because they don't have any points on because their side. Because there's no agenda no... at all. So you. what you are you going to say, Tim? I was just going to say um, it's, it's almost like, you know, it, if people would just kind of let their emotions take a back seat for a minute, take a step back, and... COVID-19 has set the whole world on fire, but um, for the most part, I would I would venture to say pretty confidently that most people's lives have improved and their financial positions have improved since Trump took office. The economy Period. has crushed it. Period. Everyone's retirement accounts are up. 401ks are up. Uh, jobs are, you know, job unemployment rates down. Uh, you know, it, it's, if you would just get it out of your head that, yeah, he says some dumb stuff on Twitter on every once in a while. <laughs> His cabinet is a revolving door because he can be hard to work with. Like, just, you know, get the... I can relate. Get get the Celebrity Act part of it out of it and just look at what the results are. You know, it, was, it, it, it this goes back to the ESG thing, but, one, you know, during the Obama administration, um, there was... Uh, the EPA passed a regulation that all cars, I forget what it's called, but cars would have to meet certain fuel efficiency standards, right? Cars for clunkers. That, that was a program, trading old cars. There's another one that was basically for every, a vehicle manufacturer required so uh, much that's right. average efficiency. Mm-hmm. Yeah, average efficiency, yeah. which is just comical to me because, again, it's, we live in a free market economy, and that would naturally happen anyway. Yeah, through competition. Why would you buy a less efficient Honda Civic when you could get a more efficient Honda Civic? And a Honda Civ- Honda will be motivated to make their cars more efficient because you're more likely likely to buy them. That's just the way things work. But instead, they pass the you know this legislation so that they could pat themselves on the back, and you know it. All it did was make uh, you know these massive car manufacturers which can't just spitting on, on a diamond change business strategies. Um, well, then there were some of them that were cheating with the emissions yeah, the, and all, the all kinds stuff, of stuff. That's what happens stuff, when you, yeah. I mean, yeah, you know, or the Europeans who can do no wrong. Oh, yeah. 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 That was yeah. funny when they got caught. It was. <laughs> the Europeans, by the way, if you looked at how they've done with their ESG movement, their green movement, I know Germany, they're, in Germany is the model for, you know, green energy. And their, their electric bills and their energy bills are four times what they're supposed to be. And they had to fire up the coal plants anyways. 
And what they call green you know, is burning biofuel, which is burning trees. It's it's it's, it's so remarkable. yeah, right. Which makes a lot of sense, right? Let's cut down the forest so we can have energy when we don't need to. Right. But um, it, it's it's amazing to me. And and, and and Germany has the largest the largest movable piece of equipment on the earth, on planet Earth. It's called the Bagger Two Eighty Eight, and it's a, for coal mining. The thing is just it's insanity. If you watch Westworld, uh, oh, yes, the big spinny thing. I've seen. Yes, it. that's, cool. that's an actual machine, and. We need one like that, like a mini version of that for our gold mine. We need, we need to find one. Um, it would help a lot. Well, I was going to say, though, like, you know, I think about this whole thing with California and the, getting the, ca the gas car thing. and um, oh, The 2035. Yes, yeah. but what I, what I want to know is how, the, how people that are, you know, on, in poverty levels today, if, if, if we could fast forward to 2035 and say all the cars were electric, what's their electric bill going to be? Like how much is it going to increase people's home electricity bill if all uh, you know all cars and all moving objects are essentially using that same power grid to power their vehicles? Uh, it's going to double and triple cost, and that's this thing that people haven't thought. Oh, that's it's great for the environment, but you know it's going to double our homeless population um, every six months. How's it? How's it sourced? No, exactly. it's not. I'm just. I'm. I was being. No, exactly. But to, the, to that point, the electricity has to be generated from somewhere. Yep. And you can do it. I mean, there's clean sources. Geothermal energy is one, wind, solar. But what I think a lot of people just totally miss on is the fact that the amount of infrastructure that would be required, it, it's just, it's not, it's not feasible. I mean, you know, when the wind's not blowing, uh, you know, your air conditioner doesn't work. And the ventilators at the hospital don't work. And that can't happen. There has to be a constant, consistent energy supply, and you just don't get that with most widely available, quote-unquote, clean energy sources. That all take products made by byproducts of oil and gas. Yes. Well, what, what, what I think needs... be able to build them without it. <laughs> what, what, one of the reasons why I think that uh, Trump is actually doing a very good job leading and uh, is getting the backlash he is is because... He's trying to redirect the narrative. Right now, the narrative is that we got 10 years on this planet and we're all dead. That's, that's what I heard last night over and over again, that we have 10 years. That they're naming 10 years now. That's the catastrophe. And That's exciting. And, and I know. I'm like, I mean, I, I'm going to go max my... Look, there would be nothing, nothing better for me, Jason, than to know when I'm going to die. And if it's 10 years from yesterday... I'm going to live it up. That's all I kept thinking about, too, is that if you're telling me I got 10 years left, I, uh, Bora Bora, Hawaii, you name it. I don't care about the environment anymore at all. Exactly. I'm just saying. The environment. That's the last me. thing on my mind. I'm going to enjoy myself. Because exactly. if it's 10 years away, we can't save it. That, that's where my mind is, too. That's why I'm going, I don't get this whole planet of platitudes thing. You know, this, this, this catastrophe... Is, is not the narrative that is healthy, and Trump is trying to steer us away from that. And as, you know, the, that narrative is trying to be steered away, the people that like that low-hanging fruit of the fear-mongering, they don't want that, and they're in power right now. A lot of them are with their nice, cush government jobs. So they, they, they don't want that guaranteed check to go away. So you're seeing a little bit of that backlash happen, but honestly... Um, uh, uh, Tim, you brought up a great point about the infrastructure, but I think you need to go a step further because one of the issues with the electric cars and the whole electric movement that no one is talking about 
is who's going to replace the roads with the gas tax and all these other things? Because when you go buy an electric car, you get a sticker shock from the state because you got to pay how many miles are going to be driven on that car in a gas tax when you go register the vehicle. So how many people are going to want to pay five to six to $10,000 to register their vehicle? That's going to be a sticker shock. They're not going to expect that. And how is the state then going to figure out a way to replace that, that gas tax that is no longer being utilized because everybody has their electric cars now in their house? This is the kind of stuff that is actual legitimate conversations, but no one will have that because they're busy saying, we got five years until this planet burns up. What are you doing? Driving a car, driving an SUV. It's, 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 uh, that's why I call it the planet of platitudes. We got to get to the realm of reality away from the planet of platitudes. So um, anyway, I, I don't know if you guys ever thought about that gas tax thing or not. It's an interesting point you brought up, and I hadn't thought about it before, but that's sort of, you know, a, a common theme when, you know, legislation gets passed and initiatives are undertaken is that, you know, unexpected things that weren't on anybody's radar pop up after the fact, right? In hindsight, um, the affordable care is one of them, uh, you know, like insurance premiums, we, when we renew our, our company's insurance every year, it just keeps going up. And up and up and up and up and up and up and it's like there's just no end in sight. I just I don't know. It's like good. It's like you know, ESG, good intentions, and then uh, just you you fumble on the handoff. You know, <laughs> you run one lap and and uh, that's it. All right, guys, let's wrap her up. Looking at the clock, uh, we've gone a lot of different directions today, but let's get back to the investment side of things. And, you know, we've said before, it's a good time to invest in a number of different things, but it really is. And, and you know, especially if people are waiting for the election and a number of different things. So let's just kind of summarize, you know, your guys' views over the next few weeks as we get ready for the election and what people should be thinking about as they think about their money as we get into this election season. Go ahead. Um, whoever wants to start, go, go right ahead. I'll start. It's pretty simple. I, I, you know, elections in two weeks. It's already started. It'll probably go for two weeks after, based on everything I'm hearing, which is what it is. Um, I, nothing is going to change, no matter what happens with the election. And so, as far as investing goes, look for great opportunities because there are a lot of them right now. Um, they're 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 easy to see and. Um, they're not hard to, to get a hold of if, if you look. Yeah, if you're if you're someone who isn't just a wound up little stress ball about you know your investment portfolio, um, if you are, I would lean toward advising to someone to, to not look at it for about the next three months. Hold your breath. The, the market will react. It'll, it, and then it'll rebound, whichever direction it goes, right? And then it'll sort of be back to the status quo, more than likely. Um, you know, but if you're if you're not a little wound up, well, stressed ball about the whole situation, there are opportunities on the table while everybody else is over or underreacting to the situation where a level-headed a level-headed individual can come in and make some moves. Yeah, so, prices are low. That's the bottom line in, in all the different industries. I think people just need to realize that you're getting it discounted right now, and that's where the upside is built in. So gas prices are up a dollar for the last sixty days. Yeah, which is just 
went from a dollar eighty, dollar sixty-five, or dollar seventy-five to two eighty. At the beginning of COVID, you're right. Phenomenal. Even June, uh, even June, July time, it's it's gone up quite a bit. So it, it, that just kind of shows you the 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 incline that that uh, is there throughout the industry and in other industries too. Hey guys, before I forget, uh, I brought up that bank loan earlier, and I know last week you guys wanted to check with your banker to see if you could, you know, disclose it and that sort of thing. We kind of teased on it, but uh, can we revisit that as we kind of can c conclude here? Is is there a can you disclose some of that bank information for me? Yeah, definitely. So, so the bank that we used was uh, First Capital Bank of Texas, um, and you know they're out of the different banks that I've I've reached out to from an oil and gas perspective. Um, you know they're really on it, and uh, they're definitely a, a, a in the right competition, and, and I want to say aggressive, uh, but you know uh, in a sense aggressive with with the right. Uh, mindset so i think they've they've definitely are, are are looking to be able to help people who've got good deals and uh finance those deals that are out there right now so uh, others that are out there that are looking for an advantage with a good bank uh definitely a first capital bank of texas uh, has been doing some great work with us first capital bank of texas okay all right sounds good all right thanks guys